Well, welcome. Tonight, cold night, raining, state of origin, but thanks for being here. Uh, we're starting a new series at the moment um, for the next few weeks, or five weeks, I think, um, talking about the miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, and how does that actually affect us today? Um, because it's something that we read in the Bible, but what does that mean now? Uh, I just want to welcome the youth guys. Thanks for coming out. Um, you guys are legends. It's, it's been awesome. Um, Karen and I taking over the youth ministry role recently, and we got to know um, just a bunch of the, the young people in our church, and they're awesome and inspirational um, so, good on you guys. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'd like to invite Lydia Markey up. She's going to read the passage tonight. Uh, where is she? Here she comes. Just give her an encouragement, guys. So, we're talking about Jesus walking on the water. Um, so, this passage comes from Mark. It's from Mark 45 to 53. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Later that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but they saw him walking on water and cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke up to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they had crossed the lakes, they landed in Genesaret, and they brought the boat to shore. Thanks, heaps. Chose this passage. Uh, I think most people would know the have heard of Jesus walking on the water, right? Um, and it's quite something that you can skip over or read and go, yeah, Jesus walked on the water, that's awesome. Um, but every time I come up to it in the Bible and read it, God speaks to me in a different way. So I would just like to share some of those things with you guys tonight. Uh, but Friday, let's just pray. God, I just um, want to... Uh, ask you to just prepare our hearts and um, calm our spirits tonight that we may learn something new from you and that we, we may hear from you tonight. Yeah, amen. So just before this passage, <coughs> Jesus performs another miracle, which we're going to hear about in a few weeks, but feeding the 5,000. Uh, so it actually happens on the same day. Jesus, the disciples are with Jesus and he feeds this, this massive crowd, this, this huge crowd with just a little bit of food. And it's quite interesting that um, this follows directly after that. 
Um, so just keep that in mind uh, when we go to, to read this a bit. So it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up uh, to the hill uh, to, to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in, their, in the boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. I just need some water. Who's been in a boat at night before? A few of us? Yeah. Um, depending on the size of your boat, being at night changes everything. So in a boat during the day, you can see what's going on. It's, it's quite an enjoyable experience. And um, everyone, you know, it's just a, the sun's out. It's, it's a great thing. At night, everything can change because you don't have, in a car, you've got headlights. You can see where you're going. In a boat, you don't have headlights. You've got a little light on top so other people can see you, but you don't. You can't see. You have to, you have to really heavily rely on navigation. The weather can change pretty quick at night. Um, so things, things change a lot. Uh, I got a little story about this. Nick, my cousin, and I, when we were younger, I think I might have been about 15 maybe, we just had this little tinny and we, that we would get together in the holidays and we'd fang around the lake, um, Lake Macquarie. We'd go and stay at my, my granddad's house and we would literally in the morning just get up, get in the boat and just go and we'd be gone for eight, ten hours maybe, just anywhere. It was before mobile phones and before... Our parents knew where we were, probably. Uh, but we would just get in and go, and we, we'd have so much fun, and it was great. But we were young, and we had this motor that kept breaking down, like, very often. So we were heading home because it was getting towards the end of the day, but we, we broke down, and we were quite a fair ways away from home. Uh, so we pulled up at the closest um, point, and... We were like, okay, now what are we going to do? We ended up walking quite a distance to call our granddad, and he said, you'll be right, just row home. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so by this time, the, the wind was picking up quite a bit. And uh, we, had this, we had this boat, and we were obsessed with trying to make it go faster, so everything in the boat was as light as we could. We, instead of those big oars that you used to row, in a little tinny, you could row like this. Well, we had like little little um, paddles. So you could <coughs> do these ones, but they didn't weigh as much and they didn't take up as much room in the boat. But they didn't work as well either. So we were we were rowing home, and we worked out that when there's no way we're going to make it all the way home. Let's just go straight to the closest, straight across the bay to the closest point. Um, so we're doing this, it's dark, it's getting dark and it, it becomes sort of pitch dark as we start rowing and the waves are pretty, pretty crazy. And I remember seeing a yacht come our way. We weren't set up for boating at night, we didn't have any lights or anything. And a yacht only just, just missed us. Like, 
We had no idea, but it just like just went straight past us. We could see them coming easily. They were huge, and we were in this little tiny boat. We had no idea. Like, come on, come on, come on, get out of the way. Uh, but that age in the middle of a, a big bay, we were quite scared actually, and uh, and it just it's easy for me to relate to this passage and when the disciples are out on the boat at night. Uh, so, late that night, his disciples were in a boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. Now this bit, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind and the waves. So I get that. But these guys were not 15, they were grown men. And there was more than two of them, there was at least 12 of them in this boat. And they were probably used to using a boat as transport. And this little um, journey that they're on is believed to be about three to four miles long. Um, so it's expected that it will take them a few hours to, to row to where they needed to go. Now think about this. It's, it's at night. Back then they didn't have lights to put on top of their boat for people to see where they're going or see where they were. Jesus is up, still up on the mountain praying or dismissing the crowd or something and he sees them struggling, uh, rowing against the wind and the waves. He sees them. Just think about that for a sec. How does Jesus see them? They're they're so far out, miles out, out in the water and he's on land and it's the middle of the night. Thing is, Jesus sees us. This is the first. This is the first thing. Jesus sees you. See, you might think like you're doing life on your own, and no one can see you. No one cares. But I'm here tonight to say that Jesus sees you. You could be at a party and doing something that you're not particularly proud of, and Jesus sees you. You could be at home, see if I can get this right. <clears throat> you could be spending hours on Instagram or Facebook and Jesus sees you. You could, be, uh, you could be doing life really hard and not, knowing, like not seeing a way out, but Jesus sees you. You could be in church for the first time tonight and Jesus sees you. You could be someone who's been going to church for 30 years or more. Jesus sees you. You could be hiding from Jesus, but he still sees you. says they were in serious trouble. The NIV actually says they were straining against the oars. I, I like the notion of straining against the oars of life. I think that's quite descriptive. Um, but we get the picture that they were doing it tough. These guys knew that they were part... They were, sorry. 
they knew how to they knew how to travel in a boat and this whatever this 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 storm that happened it was a lot tougher for them than what they used to Immediately after this, this is the very start of the passage, Jesus insisted the disciples get back in the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Jesus told them to get in the boat. He knew, he knew what was going to happen, yet he still told them to get in the boat. common misconception that we can have is that because Jesus tells us to do something, that it's going to be easy. Um, the thing is, when Jesus tells us to do something, we're not just floating from cloud to cloud and everything's smooth and, you know, doors open everywhere we want to go. Just because God tells us to do something, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Sometimes God opens doors for us and we walk on through. Sometimes God opens doors for us and what's on the other side is not easy. but it doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to do it. I don't really know why this is, um, because he can make things easy for us, obviously. Maybe he just wants us to grow into something. Maybe he's got us to teach, he wants to teach us something. Or, Or it's just that he wants us to trust who he is and... Um, and rely on him and not on our own on our own strengths and our own understandings. The fact is hardships are inevitable, especially if we're on a God journey. And when we're comfortable, we don't actually grow. Does anyone who gets into fitness knows that it takes a lot of work and a lot of pain to actually grow? Let's look at what happens next. This is when Jesus comes walking on the water. So it's about three o'clock in the morning. At this point, these guys have been rowing for eight hours. Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, this is, this is the, the, the miracle in this passage, right? Um, and we hear about Jesus walking on the water. Has anyone tried it? Doesn't work. Doesn't not that easy. Uh, Peter seems to be the only one that's tried it before. Now, in the other accounts, in other gospels, it talks about Peter getting out of the water with Jesus, but this one doesn't. And I don't really want to address that too much tonight. But this passage, it's it talks about Jesus walking towards them on the water. There's a um, there's a lot of magicians that have uh, that have set up um, things under like uh, invisible things under the water to make them look like they're walking on the water, which which is um, a pretty amazing thing. I looked up a few videos on YouTube to see how many people have actually walked on water before, um, and there's a few magicians that that have set up these things to try and make it look like they have. But it's in these perfect conditions, right? A nice smooth pond and they've got something hidden underneath and they, they're treading and they're, you know, their feet going about this far. 
uh, and it just looks like it looks really good, like they're walking on the water. But it's in the ideal conditions, and they've got everything um, for them. This is Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm, regardless of how crazy the situation is. Jesus can get there. Why does he do it? Why does he need to walk on the water? He's God. He could just turn up in the boat if he wanted to. He could have met him on the other side in Bethsaida. He could have stayed on shore. He can do whatever he wants, but he chose to walk to them on the water. Jesus will meet you where you're at. Jesus comes to them walking on the water in the storm. The same, the very same storm that they're having trouble rowing in. He uses this miracle to show them, although he is majestic and awesome and above all the problems of this world. He's not constrained by laws of physics. He's not bound by the limited way of thinking. He will meet us where we're at. Regardless of where, where we're at in our faith journey or not, or, or even our understanding of who he is, he will still meet us where we're at. You see, the very thing that you're struggling with can be the very thing that becomes Jesus' pathway to meeting with you. God's above all this. He doesn't need to get involved in our in our problems necessarily, right? He doesn't he he can, can he can be up in heaven controlling everything, whatever he needs to do. He chooses to meet us where we're at. He wants to be with us. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. Hmm, I'm going to go back a bit, eh? Just before we get to that bit, um, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. He'd intended to go past them, but they saw him walking on the water. That always confused me a little bit when Jesus says he intended to go past them. It doesn't make any sense to me for, well, it didn't for quite a while. But I find when you don't understand a passage of scripture, rather than just skipping over it and keep reading, to just sit in that passage... Um, and and ask God to help you understand what it means. There's other other parts in the Bible where Jesus where it talks about Jesus or God passing someone by. Now the first the first part is the first time in the Bible it says it. Moses is talking to God. Um, it's in Exodus. It's in Exodus thirty three eighteen to twenty Moses wants to see God, he says. He says, God, show me who you are. And God's like, well, if I show you, you will surely die because I'm 
basically so majestic. Um, so what I'll do, I'll I'll put you in a in a in a little cove in a in a rock, and as I come by, I'll cover your face with my hand so you don't see me. But as I go past, I'll remove my hand, and then you can you can see my my glory sort of leave. But that in that passage, it talks about him passing passing Moses by. This this speaks to God's majesty. In John one thirty six. When John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. To me, this shows um, Jesus' authority. In Luke 18, 37 to 38, now hearing a crowd going by, the blind man began to inquire uh, what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's another point of Jesus passing by and, and someone recognising Jesus' healing power. There are, there are many other cases in the Bible where Jesus or God passes someone by to show how, how, how big and awesome he actually is. The notion passing by is more about Jesus bringing his presence and all that entails and his healing power, his majesty and his awe. His disciples were so unaware that Jesus was bringing his presence to the situation, they thought he was a ghost. For all they knew, he was still up on shore and they're struggling in the boat. Sometimes we don't recognise Jesus. John 1 verse 10, it says, He came to the very world he created, but the world did not recognise him. It can literally be Jesus in your life. It could be an angel. It could be the Holy Spirit. It could be someone else. It could be a person that brings Jesus to your situation. We, we can all bring Jesus to someone else's situation. Sometimes you might think you're not good enough to bring Jesus to a situation. Of this, this passage in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, it says, But God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chooses the frail people. He chooses people who don't have everything together to bring his presence to others. See, he can use, he can use you to bring his presence to someone else, or on the on the flip side, he can use someone else in your life to bring his presence to your situation. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. "Don't be afraid," he said. "Take courage. I am here." Then he climbed into the boat. The wind stopped and they were totally amazed. In the midst of the storm, Jesus says to the disciples, take courage, I am with you. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking at our church's mission and the encouragement part of our mission. 
the encouraging where, uh, where, where we encourage people to go for it. See, Jesus speaks to us. This is the very thing that Jesus says to his disciples. Take courage. He's saying, be encouraged. I am with you. We can be the voice of Jesus when we get alongside someone else. Take courage. You got this. God's on your side. Where does all this land, I guess? Jesus sees you. He meets you where you're at. And he says to you, take courage. I am with you. We might have storms coming in in our life. You might be straining at the oars of your worst storm yet. Or just struggling with something you find hard at the moment. You could be in a situation where God feels far away. For all the disciples knew, Jesus was on a hill in isolation while they were rowing in a storm for eight hours in the dark. Your storm can be the very pathway Jesus decides to pass you by, where Jesus reveals his glory to us in the midst of what we can only see as a negative. Jesus uses it as a positive and says, take courage. Let's pray. God, help us to recognise the moments when you come up to us, when you meet us where we're at. Help us to be Jesus to other people in our lives, God. Help us to hear from you.